local radio stations in the world. We're one of them. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Well, they to the questions that have crossed all of our minds. What happens to us when we die? Is there an afterlife? I'm a regular guy who discovered the gift of psychic mediumship in my 30s. My passion for history and the unknown have put me right here, right now. My mantra for anything paranormal is, we don't know much and anything is possible. Join me as we find our way through the stories, evidence, and experiences of the paranormal and beyond in search of answers, even if that leads to more questions. Are you with me? Hey everybody, welcome to the Paranormal Pete Show. I'm your host, Peter Orbea. We're on Let's Talk Radio at WLTKDB.com. Uh, we've also started streaming to the station's Facebook page, so you can catch live uh, video stream of that and just go to facebook.com and uh, type in Let's Talk Radio and you'll find it there. Give it a like and follow it and then you'll get notified when uh, each show goes live. Uh, we're also on the Paranormal Pete Show Facebook page as well. If you're on listening to us on the station tonight, WLTKDB.com. Be sure to jump on the chat function on there. And so if you have a question throughout this evening, uh, put it on the chat and we'll I'll do my best to answer it. So uh, and then also I am trying to monitor um, comments on the Facebook live stream on the Paranormal Pete Show page. So if you have questions, feel free to put one on there as well. So we're on episode 10. Happy Groundhog's Day. Uh, it's, I think my kids this morning were saying it's, it's a huge holiday, such a huge deal. It should be everyone's favorite holiday and it is a fun holiday. And tonight I was supposed to have a special guest, Nicole Strickland from the Afterlife Chronicles on uh, the station. It airs on Thursday nights. And, uh, unfortunately she's just under the weather. So, uh, if Nicole's listening, we hope you get well and feel better soon. So everyone's going to be with me for the next couple of hours here on Let's Talk Radio. And gosh, episode 10, this is awesome. Um, Feels like just the other day I did episode one, so I must be having fun. Time's flying by, right? Um, So yeah, real excited for episode 10. Um, I got some great guests coming up. Uh, for the rest of this month, and I'm working on March, uh, my March guest as well. So I'll be announcing those sometime later this month. Uh, but I do have uh, next Tuesday, Linda Myers. She's a paranormal investigator, researcher, um, and she's with the Olympic Peninsula Paranormal Society. And she's been investigating for many years. Uh, she's got a great take on the paranormal. And so I'm really looking forward to chatting with her next week. On the 16th, I've rescheduled Nicole. So we'll have Nicole Strickland from the Afterlife Chronicles on the 16th. So we'll get her rescheduled so we can still, uh, i got a lot of questions for her. And, and I think it'll be a fun conversation. Uh, the next Tuesday after that is uh, one of my longtime paranormal friends. Uh, I've done a lot of investigating with her. It's Mary Bethune. 
Uh, she's an investigator, researcher with the Olympic Peninsula Paranormal Society. Um, and she's very sensitive as well. Um, and so we'll have a lot of fun stories, I think, to share um, of some of our experiences on investigations. So great month this month. Uh, blessed to know so many people in the paranormal field. Um, and it's it's just been a lot of fun so far. So thanks for following the show and supporting it um, through the first 10 episodes. And here's to a bunch more. So uh, but thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Peter Orbea. And uh, I wanted to mention tonight that uh, the Port Gamble Ghost Conference is going to be November 5th through 7th this year. And it's going to be in Port Gamble. Um, and it's it's so much fun. It's a three-day event. Um, and there's going to be classes throughout the weekend, um, get keynote speakers throughout the weekend. There'll be lots of vendors and lots of investigations. And I think that's one of the things that most people really come out to the conference for is to get into some of the buildings out here in Port Gamble. So really excited about that. I'm uh, anxiously awaiting to hear uh, about the Oregon Ghost Conference that's coming up in Seaside, Oregon. And it's usually the last weekend in March through the first, you know, the right into April there. <clears throat> but it's in Seaside, Oregon. And that's a wonderful conference. Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's just a great community up here. So if you're in the, you know, in the area, let's say the Northwest or the West Coast, or maybe you want to take a trip out, uh, those are two conferences I suggest and recommend. Um, and anybody listening out there, if you go to a paranormal conference somewhere, wherever you live um, in your area, go ahead. And if you're on, um, the station go to the chat and put type in the conference that you really like to go to or maybe you organize it or a part of running it or you just like to attend it um, put it in the chat box or comment on the facebook page and i'll be sure to mention it here tonight um, want to just spread the word about co paranormal conferences anywhere because it's just such a great place uh, to meet people and meet like-minded people and or get differing points of view. So uh, go to the station chat or hit the Facebook live comment and let us know uh, what your favorite paranormal conference is. And we'll be sure to mention it on the air tonight. Um, so it's Groundhog's Day. Wait, did I mention that? Uh-oh, am, am I in a repeating day here? Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> we all love the Bill Murray movie, right? Well, Groundhog's Day, you know, I... I knew about it growing up. And of course, you know, you could wait to see if Punxsutawney Phil is going to see a shadow, which by the way, today, if you didn't know by now, he did see a shadow. Um, but I'll look at the numbers and he's, he's only 45% accurate. So fingers crossed for spring. So uh, really hoping for spring. I'll tell you what, I know there's a lot of people just getting tons of snow right now out there, especially on the East coast, uh, the Northeast and throughout the Midwest. And I'll say out here, uh, in the Northwest, it is squishy. We haven't got the snow yet. It hasn't been cold enough for the ground to freeze. So, uh, I've got the pontoon boats ready, uh, in case I need to go to work in a boat because it is wet out there. So anybody out there dealing with lots of snow and ice, I wish you the best. Um, send me some of that snow juju because it's really pretty here in Port Gamble when it snows. So 
I'd rather it not be so muddy and soggy. <laughs> Plus, I live in a 125-year-old house that's on post and pier. Um, so, you know, hopefully it doesn't float away. Um, but back to Groundhog's Day. So I just wanted to get that off my chest because I, I want either spring or I want snow. Uh, how many people here in the Northwest think that same thing? You'll take snow or spring. <laughs> We're done with the wet season. Um, so Groundhog's Day has, you know, it's it's an interesting history to it. And it, it ties into religion and goes back centuries. Um, so I, and I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that. So I found a couple of cool of um, history pieces on Groundhog's Day that I'd like to share with you because I just found it pretty interesting um, in, in the various different parts of culture and history that this holiday touches on. And it's kind of interesting, just holidays in general, some of the traditions and the cultures, religions, how they have adapted and changed over the years. And Groundhog's Day is just a great example of that, of a festival, a feast that has changed into something entirely different. So, uh, and I got this off of uh, history.com and it's just just a neat story. So I wanted to bring that in tonight for you guys. So everyone listening out there, um, thanks again for joining the show and here we go. So the history of Groundhog's Day, like I said, is pretty interesting. On February 2nd, 1887, A few months after an inferno had reduced a third of the commercial buildings in Punxsutawney to ashes, a small group of men ascended a wooded area a mile outside the small western Pennsylvania coal town in search of a local rodent said to possess meteorological forecasting powers. I mean, can you imagine being there with them and going and chasing, oh, this this rodent, this groundhog, It can tell the weather. It's interesting to me that they're out there chasing that. Uh, Later that day, however, the men of what would become known as the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club spotted one of the local woodchucks and reported back to the town that it had seen its shadow, meaning six more weeks of winter. What's new, right? Uh, German immigrants who had come to the Western, Western Pennsylvania in the late 1800s to work in the coal fields and factories brought with them the midwinter holiday tradition, which had its roots in the Christian tradition of Candlemas Day, a feast commemorating the halfway point between the winter solstice and the vernal equinox when clergy blessed and distributed light-giving candles for the dark winter nights. So they kind of adapted it when they brought it over here. And according to legend, a sunny Candlemas was said to have meant another 40 days of cold and snow. For as the sun shines on Candlemas Day, so far will the snow swirl in May, went one popular saying. So Germans, they originally looked to badgers and then adopted hedgehogs to be the predictors of the weather on Candlemas and substituted the more prevalent native groundhogs when they arrived in America. So they just seem to change animal. Uh, and I, I suppose the um, groundhog was a close in size and shape as a badger. So I guess that works in the late 1800s and early 1900s. However, the Punxsutawney groundhog club relied on the furry rodents for more than just their weather forecasting prowess. They ate them as well. And that's the part I found interesting. <laughs> One of them. So they ate, the groundhogs too. Ugh, 
Yuck. I don't know. Maybe it's good. I don't know. Armed not with guns and dogs, but shovels, hoes, and rubber hoses to listen underground, the club members proceeded to the hunt. When the familiar groundhog used by the townspeople to forecast the weather every February 2nd later became known as Punxsutawney Phil popped his head out, the hunt leader bellowed, the official woodchuck is hold. The hunters in their suit coats and hats sprinted to the hole and began to dig furiously before they finally unearthed the pudgy creature. After posing for a photograph with the groundhog, the club members let it loose for a chase. The old chuck proved that he was some sprinters, the Puxitani spirit paper reported. The groundhog eluded capture for five minutes before finally being corralled uh, by its tail. The men then poured groundhog punch. And this was another thing that I was not familiar with. People on the East Coast are probably like, oh, yeah, we know about that. Everybody knows about that. But groundhog punch. And it was an elixir made from vodka, milk, and orange juice. And it was said to add seven years to Phil's life. And they would just pour it right down the creature's throat. Ugh, I wonder what Phil has to say about that. That does not sound good at all i'm not a big vodka fan anyways but vodka and milk i don't know i just don't i guess i'm not a vodka fan um so as early as 1910 stories about the town's groundhog day commemorations began to appear in newspapers around the country print and later radio and uh television so reporters began to make annual pilgrimages to Punxsutawney every February 2nd. So going back as early as 1910, the word was really getting out. Um, except for getting wrestled from the hibernation once a year, Punxsutawney Phil has it much easier than his ancestors. The Groundhog, Cl- Groundhog Club no longer holds an annual hunt, but it does put on an annual picnic at which the famous woodchuck still gets to imbibe the magical Groundhog Punch. Ugh. So has anybody out there been to the Punxsutawney celebration on Groundhog's Day? If you have, um, get on the station, WLTKDB.com, and join the chat there. And let us know that you've been actually been there to that festival uh, or, you know, quote unquote picnic. And uh, I'd love to hear what you your thoughts on it from being there in person. So <clears throat> let us know. Let us know, um, you know, what you think about it. It's it's pretty interesting. And someday, I mean, that would be kind of a fun bucket list, weird item to do, right? To go check that out. So uh, we got about five minutes here until our first break here. And I'm going to get this other story up here. So we mentioned in the Candlemas, the... Christian tradition that's kind of celebrates it's right in between um, the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And it goes back even further than that, uh, further than the, you know, a Christian adaptation of that. And I found some of this interesting. So we'll get started on this. We'll come back to it after the break, but it's a celebration called Imbolc. And it began as a pagan holiday celebrated from February 1st through sundown on February 2nd. And it's based on the Celtic tradition. Imbolc was meant to mark the halfway point between winter solstice and the spring equinox in Neolithic Ireland and Scotland. 
I got a lot of heritage heritage back there. If you're looking at me, you can probably tell, yeah, he's from that area. <laughs> um, the holiday is celebrated by Wiccans and other practitioners of neo-pagan or pagan influence religions. So is anybody out there? Do you celebrate in bulk? You know, let us know. Jump on the uh, Facebook live comments or hit us up on the station chat. Let us know if that's something that you, uh, that you practice every year. And I had somebody comment on the Facebook page that the groundhog punch sounds like a challenge. Yeah. I won't take be taking that challenge. <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, not, not feeling like getting sick. Um, yeah. So thanks for the challenge though. Um, so in bulk is just one of several pre-Christian holidays highlighting some aspect of winter sunlight and the heralding of the changing of seasons. And that's kind of the important part of it is the winter darkness going into spring lightness and the heralding of the change of seasons. And I think we're all probably by this point in winter, we're all just dreaming about spring. And so I think it, hits everybody a little bit differently. Um, so in, th- in this celebration of Imbolc, it dates back to the pre-Christian era in the British Isles. The earliest mentions of Imbolc in Irish literature date back to the 10th century, and poetry from that time relates the holiday to use a used milk with the implication of purification. And that would oftentimes let them know that it's, it's in bulk time as well as if um, the sheep were getting uh, full of milk. (laughs) And so in bulk, also the celebrations took the form of a festival in honor of the pagan goddess Brigid, who was evoked in fertility rites and oversaw poetry, crafts, and prophecy. Brigid was worshipped by the Philid, a class of poets and historians among the Celts of ancient Ireland and Britain. So she lived from 451 AD to 525. So we're going back 1500 years to the early versions of Groundhog's Day today. Uh, Brigid was considered one of the most powerful Celtic gods, the daughter of Dagda, the oldest god in Celtic in the Celtic pantheon and myths about Brigid's birth say she was born with a flame in her head and drank the milk of a mystical cow from the spirit world. Brigid is credited with the very first keening, a traditional wailing for the dead of wailing for the dead practiced at funerals by Irish and Scottish women. I think that's an interesting thing. She's kind of the pioneer of now you have, I think in Asian cultures, there's a, a wailing, uh, keening um, in some of their traditions and cultures for funerals. And then you go, and then you've got this going back um, 1500 years. And so she's actually credited with that, credited with starting that. And I think it's cool that she, she was a, seemed to be a real person as far as what I've read. Um, and lived 451 to 525. Um, but the, the theme with her is she is deeply connected to flame. So Brigid's flame was considered sacred and was cared for in pre-Christian times by 19 priestesses. The flame burnt continually for hundreds of years, 
each of the 19 priestesses took turns guarding the flame. And on the 20th day, Brigid herself would keep the flame going. When Brigid transformed into saint, the stories of her kindness and miracles continued. And so did the tending of her flame. And so once Christianity kind of took over the area there, she became Saint Brigid or Bridget, or uh, you were considered a Brigadine if you followed her. And we're going to continue the story when we come back. We're going to take our first station break. It's 20 past the hour. We're on WLTKDB.com. Let's talk radio, and we'll see you on the flip side. Our Medic Alert bracelet warns first responders that we kiss back during CPR. Pucker up, buttercup. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Ever wanted to host your own radio show? If your answer is yes, then the time to act is now. WLTKDB Let's Talk is now accepting new programming more affordable than ever. You create the show idea and we'll take care of the rest. Not only do we create your program intro and provide broadcast training, but also syndicate you to popular outlets like Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more. You get all of this starting at 100 bucks per month. Three packages to choose from and built to make your wallet happy. Contact us at WLTKDB.com with your show idea and let's bring your dream to life. All topics accepted and you have full rights to your program. Contact us today and reserve your spot on WLTKDB Let's Talk. What are you waiting for? Let's do this. We didn't invent great sound. We perfected it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Well, they say that you're a fool. You believe in welcome back to the Paranormal Pete Show. It's episode 10. And if you were looking. Coming on to see Nicole Strickland on tonight. She's under the weather, so she'll be back on the 16th. Uh, so two weeks from now. So, but welcome back, episode 10. I'm your host, Peter Orbea. We're on Let's Talk Radio, WLTKDB.com. And did you know you can go on there and chat? Um, or go to the Let's Talk Radio Facebook page and give it a like there, and you can view the show there or on my Facebook page, Paranormal Pete Show. And if you have comments or questions, put them up on any of those and, and we'll do our best to answer them. And so we're talking about kind of the history of Groundhog's Day, but now we've gone a little bit farther back. And I think it, we're touching on some different cultural things and, and the end adaptation is in somewhat Groundhog's Day. And so we're talking about um, the pagan goddess Brigid, who later became saint. And that was after Christianity started to really take over uh, the British Isles. And because of her good deeds, and she became a saint. 
And they kept a fire going for her for hundreds of years. And I, that's amazing dedication. And it's, it's awesome. That's just amazing to me. And so for 19 days, 19 different priestesses or sisters slash nuns, um, they tended the flame. And then on the 20th day, Brigid was supposed to tend her own fire as she did on the first one, uh, the first 20 days that hit. And um, so it's believed that this tradition was carried out until the 16th century. That's insane. Hundreds of years. And I, I don't know, I guess I'm just amazed at that fact. Um, and they, they stopped doing it. They think because of a fear that of a a connection with this fire to a a fire cult. And so they ended up stopping it somewhere in the 16th century. And, but that's like a thousand years that this fire was going. And in 1933, in 1993, excuse me, its flame was relit by the Brigadine nuns of Kildare. And forgive me if I'm butchering any of these names. Um, Since then, it has been cared for in the fashion it was intended, with the 20th day being that of Brigid's to watch over herself. So they lit it back up in 1993, and it's been going since then. Maybe it'll go another thousand years. But isn't that amazing? A thousand years through all the different things that happened in that time period from, you know, 500 AD to 1500 AD, all the different things that happened, they they kept that fire going. So, you know, in the research I was doing is saying, you know, light a candle or sit in front of a fire and focus on the flames. Let the flames bring you a sense of hope for change or renewal of spirit or a change in season. So the, thing is she's deeply connected with the flame and i know when i sit in front of like a campfire or something i just can't help but stare at the flames and i'm i'm sure many of you out there do the same thing but if you want to uh celebrate in bulk and you know light a light a candle and you're also celebrating candle mass as well so light a candle look at the flame relax let that renewal sense of renewal change in season, whatever it is you're hoping gets renewed. Think about that and um, call on St. Brigid to bring that to you. Um, So that's pretty interesting thought. I just, again, a thousand years, this fire kept going just crazy. So I learned a lot about groundhogs day and I hope you did too. Uh, There's always, interesting history out there that is oh there's always unknown stuff and so i've just always been fascinated by history and this kind of stuff is just uh, like a kid in a candy store with that so um and i think you know being in the paranormal field i think you got to have um a little bit of a history bug in you and it's kind of laughing that uh, my special guest last week, Mr. Michael White of Paranormal Research and Investigations, Washington, he was just straight. I don't like history, <laughs> so you don't have to. But I think it's it's a it's a big help, um, and plus it makes it fun when you can do historical research and find stuff. So the other thing I wanted to get into tonight, which we're going to spend probably the rest of the time on, is 
Um, you know, I see different Facebook groups and posts or get emails. Um, you know, lots of people having stuff happen in their house. And is it paranormal? Is it not? Who really knows? But it definitely seems not normal and seems next to normal. Um, and last week on the show, we touched on with COVID and quarantining and being home working from home, whatever it is um, that people are probably realizing or experiencing things they hadn't before in their home because they're usually gone at work or school or whatever, but usually gone during the day. And then now they're home all day. And so, uh, and we had had a question about, was there more paranormal activity going on over the course of this last year? And that's a tough one to, to answer, but you know, how many people out there feel like you've got something going on in your house and you're not sure what it is, not sure what to do about it? Um, you know, if you're hesitant to call in a team for an investigation, you're not quite sure if you're just seeing things or, you know, how many people out there? Go ahead and comment. Um, I'm watching the Paranormal Pete Show live feed there for any comments, but we've also got the station chat. So, uh, if anybody out there wants to let us know that you've got something going on in your house and maybe just like a one sentence description of what is happening, I'll try and see if I can give you some tips and maybe how to get started in handling that. So there's just so many people out there have stuff going on in their house or their minds, but either way, we'll take a look. Um, so tonight I wanted to kind of give a little bit of a DIY paranormal investigation of your own house, your own workspace, uh, whatever it might be, but your, your own house and how you can do it. Um, easy ways to do it without having to spend all the money on, on, you know, expensive gear and camera systems and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I thought that might be helpful and I hope it is. Um, but yeah, jump on the chat and let us know if you've got something going on in your house. And like I said, just a, a brief one sentence description of what's happening. And I do realize that's probably hard to do in one sentence, um, but give it a try, I guess. Um, so let's figure this out. Let's say you've, you've got some activity or something happening in your house that is not normal to your house. Are you hearing voices? Are you hearing footsteps? Are you hearing, you know, the stairs creaking, doors opening and closing? Maybe you saw something. Did you see a shadow uh, person or the silhouette of a person? Did you see an apparition? Um, were you lucky enough to see a full-bodied apparition? Uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, let us know what's going on. But let's figure out maybe... <clears throat> A way that you can look into it in your own way, in your own comfort and convenience. So a lot of people I've talked to, <clears throat> a question comes up a lot and it's, you know, can you, can you get rid of it? How do you get rid of it? And in my work, in my journey um, that I'm on, that's just not something I do. Um, I'm not saying nobody else can do it. Um, but I, it's just something I don't do. I don't kick things out. Um, 
And so it's more of, can you cohabitate with spirits, ghosts, paranormal activity? And I think the simple answer is yes. And if you can remember, um, ghosts were people once too, right? And so if you can kind of think about it that way and take that approach towards the activity, you know, announcing what you're doing or the announcing that you don't like what's happening, um, you know, you want to communicate, you know, maybe you just say it in your head, not speak out loud, but I say, go ahead and speak out loud. And, and so if you're living with spirits, let, let them know what you'd like and don't like, or what's acceptable and what is not acceptable. And oftentimes I think um, in a lot of readings I've done where there's one room and it seems to be the kid's room where a lot of stuff happens. Um, Investigators out there probably recognize this. They hear it all the time of it's in the kid's room. Something is happening and through psychic work, in my experience, a lot of time, it's actually your, your family members that are there looking over the children and meaning no harm. Um, now, that's not to say that things, there aren't things out there that do mean harm. But for the most part, it's probably somebody from your family. And, but just taking the approach of their people once too, maybe it gives you a little bit more confidence in stating what you feel is acceptable and unacceptable. For example, if you've got, um, you believe you have a spirit in your home and it pushes you or, uh, you know, touches your shoulder or pulls your hair or it it's lets you know it's there by doing something physical or maybe moves an object moves. Uh, and if you don't like that, you've just got to plainly say this type of activity is not acceptable. If you need to be here, fine, but this is my space and you need to follow my rules. I do not appreciate this. This is not acceptable. And if you take a respectful approach, I think, you know, you'll find some better results, some more positive results, but it's taking a respectful approach um, at first. And as you would a stranger, you don't know what's there. Um, You know, maybe you're sensitive and you've got an idea what's there, but if you just approach it as somebody you're just meeting um, with your intentions and creating rules for your space, you might have more positive results if you just treat it like they're a living person. I hope that makes sense out there. And again, if you want to share a brief, you know, a quick summary of what you have going on in your house, I'll do my best to try and help give you some pointers as to how to get started in dealing with it. But I believe you can cohabitate with spirits. Um, I I do. <laughs> um, in our in our house that we live in, there there's activity. Um, some of it's pretty frequent, and some of it's not as frequent, but it's recognizable. And a lot of what happens, one of the uh, entities, we'll call it, that seems to be come in our house often is my wife's grandfather. I could totally get freaked out. 
and that there's a, I see a shadow move from our kitchen into our dining room. Um, but this particular shadow walks and is like the same height and shape and as her grandfather. And so it was kind of easily recognizable. So I could have the instinct of getting freaked out. Oh no, there's a shadow person. They've come to get me. There's a lot of negative connotations with, with shadow people um, throughout various cultures and religions. So it's kind of, that one's got a pretty good stigma to it, but I kind of just looked at it as, okay, well, it definitely looks like a man, by the way, it seems to be moving like it's walking. I recognize that. And it would make sense that her grandfather is coming to check on, on everybody. And I think he, he makes rounds around the family. So um, I, I seem to be able to cohabitate with him. Now my comfort level is probably a lot different than most other people, but um, you know, again, set your ground rules for your space. If you're having experiences and you know, this is my space here this is acceptable. This is not. And I ask you to respect that as I respect you. So try that out. That's a great start. Um, There's also uh, cleansings, people using sage, uh, different techniques to kind of push out negative energy, things like that. I am not an expert or anything like that on, uh, you know, using sage and clear and clearing spaces. I would say you want to um, find somebody uh, through somebody, you know, get some word of mouth going and find somebody that your friends trust that maybe one of them knows to, to come and do that sort of thing. Uh, plus you can always research yourself on, on how to do that sort of thing. So that's another thing you can do as well. You can set your rules and intentions, and then you can also, um, do some age old stuff that seems to work to cleanse your space. And so how do you determine what is happening? How do you know it's not normal? And I think you have to ask yourself that. How do you know this is not normal? Like if you see what appears to be an apparition, okay, you can, that's an easy answer. Okay. Well, that's not normal. If it sounds, you know, how do you know, I feel like everybody, once you live in a place for a year, you really, you get really in tune with the creaks and squeaks of your house, right? You can be, let's say you're upstairs in a two-story house and you hear a door shut downstairs. You can tell that's the bathroom door or that's a closet door. We all get real familiar with sounds, but sounds are probably one of the hardest things um, to nail down or to disprove um, that it is something paranormal Um, because um, some examples, uh, I was on an investigation, it was a private home and they kept reporting the report. One of the main ones was this like rat-a-tat sound that would happen. And the person who previously had lived in this home was a world war II ace fighter pilot. And so it was sounding kind of like machine gun fire. And during the investigation, we actually heard it 
and kind of this, you know, and come to find out outside on the complete other end of the house, a tree branch was there hitting the window and kind of, and kind of scratching down the siding. So there's so many things sounds could be. So how do you know it's not normal to your situation? And once you, you know, once you feel like, okay, I know this space, I know the sounds, all that kind of stuff, it might be easier to pick out something that's not normal, but how do you determine it? Let's say something moves, you see something move, um, you know, on its own. Okay. That's not really normal. (laughs) So that's safe to say that that could be paranormal. Um, Just remember when, when things are, you're experiencing activity, try not to go like straight to it's paranormal. Try to think, well, it could be paranormal, but it could not be paranormal. And just try and change your mindset to that because that's going to help you. Um, Is there a pattern to the activity? You know, how many out there, you've got something going on. It happens at nine 30 ish in the morning Uh, Every other day, you know, is there a pattern to it? What is it that's repeating? Is it the same kind of activity at the same time each day? Uh, You know, specific time of day. Is it always a voice that you hear? Is it always footsteps or is it, it's a mix of things, but it's around the same type of day, time of day. So that could be a pattern too. try and identify any patterns of activity and which will which will draw you to where you need to focus your investigation. If you can identify a pattern and you can identify a pattern by taking notes log, when you feel like you have something happen, Um, you know, the date, the time, the, was it raining outside? What was the weather like outside? Was it night day? Uh, And what was the activity? And once you can kind of build up a log, you know, let's say you, you want to do it for probably at least 20 days. Uh, a month is a good, a great start. Um, and this is, you know, a little bit more commitment to taking notes and jotting something down. But if you simply have a notebook laying around, just, you know, dedicate some pages to, to log in that. But that's how you can identify a pattern um, in your own space. And it looks like we've got a question. Um, Karen is asking, have you ever noticed that a spirit has passed on, left a place you know was haunted? So I think she's asking if the spirit has left a place that was known to be haunted. So a, a location where this spirit was known to be and it and the spirit has passed on or moved on. Karen, I hope I'm getting your question right here. Um Yes, I would say a simple answer yes to that question. Um, great example of my own experience is the Walker Ames house here in Port Gamble. And if you're watching on the Let's Talk Radio Facebook page or the Paranormal Pete Show Facebook page, it's my background, um, where there seemed to be specific activity in specific areas in this location 
that multiple teams were experiencing multiple investigators, multiple teams were getting, you know, similar activity and then nothing. Um, and for me, I, it's in the basement of this house where something was there. It does not seem to be there anymore. So it's either moved on or it was helped to be moved on. Um, with like uh, spirit counseling um, episode three guest Seth Michael um, psychic medium, Seth Michael, his team, white light paranormal, they help. They'll do that if it's called for um, with their investigation of helping uh, a spirit realize they can move on and get better. Um, so I think, yes, short answer to that question. I hope I, I interpreted your question correctly. Uh, and Michael's asking, what's different on the days the activity doesn't occur? Great. That's a great question to ask yourself. What's different on the days that it doesn't occur? So remember I was saying maybe it's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you have this thing happen. Well, what's different on Tuesday and Thursday? Great point, Michael. Um I only got your first name here. So I'm guessing that's Michael White. Um, but thank you. Thank you for that point. So it's not just, you know, keep a log of your surroundings. Um, keep, you know, the important part is keeping that log. Keep the log going as long as you can. Because um, maybe you'll, once you become comfortable with what's going on in your house, it's still good to try and keep, you know, some sort of log because things may change. Uh, like I was just saying, it's a spirit may move on and something else starts happening. Well, you are then able to notate that change and maybe you won't be so freaked out in your own place. If you kind of have some sense of what's going on. Um, another thing you want to ask yourself too because you're living in your space and you're experiencing thing, these things, you're involved in this situation as well. It's not just the ghosts. Um, remember that you're a part of this equation as well. So one good thing to ask yourself too is, have I been through something traumatic? Um, maybe in the last six months, two months, two years, have I been through something traumatic recently? Um, because that speaks to possible poltergeist activity. Um, because you're, you're having a psychic fit, basically. Maybe you don't even know you have psychic abilities. Uh, most people don't. They don't they, it's not recognized. So if you've been through something really traumatic, you could be putting all kinds of crazy energy out there. And it just kind of boils up and boom, you have a psychic fit of energy that goes through your house where electronics go haywire, uh, stuff flies off your table or your kitchen shelves. Um, you know, something knocks a glass off a counter, many different things, more of a physical nature. Um, you could be experiencing poltergeist activity, which is actually from us. So don't forget that if you've got stuff going on in your house, you're a part of the equation too. So kind of, you know, set your intentions, make your rules, take a good long look in the mirror. 
you know, see, could I be causing this? Um, you, everybody, you know, can bring home negative energy from out in the world. I've talked on the show before and used the example of going to a big box store where there's tons of people shopping and they've just got off work and you go in there and you're walking through and you're picking up a little bit of everybody's stress, a little bit, a little bit of their anxiety or negative thoughts, energy, and hopefully you can take some positive energy with you too. But empaths out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, are you an empath? Look into that. There's, a, there's some really good articles out there to identify signs of being empathic um, to other people's feelings and energy. So again, going back, you want to take a good look at yourself. Are you possibly bringing stuff into your home? Um, you got to learn how to clear that stuff off. And from what I've experienced and um, actually seen, psychically seen, negative energy piles up on you. And it's, it's like the old cartoons where uh, there's a black cloud and it's raining over the cartoon character, right? Kind of the same sort of thing. So if I were to describe it, it's, it's usually dark in color, black in color, and it can just pile up on you and it's, it weighs you down after time because it's just a weight on your soul, on your energy, on your life force, whatever you want to call it. And so in your own home, you're bringing that with you, but not really getting rid of it. That could be. I think that could be a you know causing some sort of activity and it could be coming from you. Like I said about poltergeist. So definitely want to take a long look in the mirror. Um, you know, are you on certain medications that may have side effects like hallucinate hallucinations um, or hearing voices? Um, there's a lot of, medication out there that's prescribed um, from a wide variety of, of health issues or mental issues that can have strange and odd side effects. So, you know, are you in your, in your own home experiencing something? Are you on some sort of medication that may have side effects that would explain the activity? That's a question you have to ask yourself. And it's probably a tough one to ask yourself, but don't you think that it will help you in the long run feel better about what you per are perceiving happening in your home? So, it, it, and I totally understand that that might be a hard subject for somebody to ask themselves and that's totally fine. I hope that you can keep trying and get to a point where you're comfortable taking that in on yourself. And so once you kind of get through your intentions, your rules, identifying what's not normal that's happening, establishing a log. And like I said, you want to do probably at least 20 days. A month is good. Do like a whole month. And I know that that sounds like a long time to be experiencing activity and not knowing what it is or how to possibly communicate with it. but Time really doesn't matter on the other side. So 
if you can go and get like a month's worth of logs, identify those patterns, identify those locations in your home that seem to have the most activity, because that's going to help us with the next part coming up, which is investigating uh, and doing your own kind of DIY uh, without having to go out and spend any money. Um, so again, we've got, you want to establish your rules and intentions with your space. Remember ghosts for people wants to, if you approach it that way, I feel like you got a leg up. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't suggest being antagonistic to whatever's happening in your house. That would be like walking up to a stranger and antagonizing them. What do you think the reaction is going to be? Pretty wide and varied, but pro probably not of a positive nature. So I wouldn't recommend being antagonistic. Try and just be respectful, but again, firm because it's your own home. So now you've identified those sort of things. You've been keeping a log. You're like, okay, it's the kitchen and it's Wednesdays at seven o'clock, you know, uh, or Tuesdays at eight o'clock um, that this, you know, sort of activity or voice or apparition or movement of objects happens. You've identified that. Well, now you know where you need to focus your efforts to collect data and it, that's what it is that you're collecting. When you see teams out there um, and all the equipment they're using, um, they're collecting data. It's not really collecting evidence. It's collecting data for review to see if there's any strange things that show up in that data that are not normal. That may mean it's paranormal. It may not. There may be some sort of other explanation. But at least you've got the data to go over and, and check it out. And I know that sounds ominous, maybe, to some out there. Uh, it's easier than you think. Um, <clears throat> so take a look around your house. Well, what? how am I going to investigate? I don't have an audio recorder or whatever. Well, a lot of people probably from their college days, maybe, or maybe from a past job, maybe you do have a digital audio recorder laying around the house somewhere. Um, that's going to be one of your best and easiest tools to use um, to find out what's going on in your house. So do you have a digital audio recorder laying around? If you go get one, um, <laughs> you don't have to spend a ton of money. You can get you know kind of a basic one. It does have a little bit less of a frequency range that it'll hear. Um, so, you know, the more you spend, the, the better the equipment, obviously. But um, sometimes I just like simple. So if you're going to get one, at least make sure it's got USB connectivity so you can dump the files onto your computer really easily. Um, once you <clears throat> um, have a digital audio recorder, what you want to do <clears throat> is when you start it, um, you know, turn it on to record. Don't just turn it on and don't, and say nothing. Um, you want to say where you're at, the date, the time. It's important to timestamp it. So when you start, you know, you can just say, I'm, I'm starting my recording. It's 7.51 PM on December 2nd. And I'm in my kitchen facing West, you know, be as specific as you, as you can, but start, start your audio recording and then don't 
turn it off until you are done. Because what happens a lot is you turn that recorder off and then the activity happens. Um, so if you're going to be in a focused setting where you're collecting data, audio data, definitely don't turn it off until you're totally done. And just in case you catch something and one great program uh, that's free to download for audio review is audacity. And I guess there's a product plug there, but (laughs) um, it's called audacity. So if you, um, again, it's free. So you're not spending money there, Um, but it's a great program to um, get, to learn how to review audio and you can see the sound waves and or a spectrograph and you can re easily rewind and go back and, and pinpoint where you want to listen. And so that's a great program to have. And we have somebody asking a question. Do you think smudging with Sage works well? And I'm going to say, I don't really know a lot about that. I believe so. But I would ask somebody who does this um, professionally, and there's a lot of people out there that do it professionally. So I would ask somebody, I mean, it depends on the circumstances, I would say, of what is taking place. What's, you know, what is going on that's making you feel like you need to do that? Um, And a person may advise one thing, smudging or burning sage or both. I, I don't know. It, I think it's going to depend on the situation. So I would ask somebody who's got um, a lot of experience with it, somebody who does it with uh, professionally um, to help you out. Because again, your situation might call for something different or, a, or a different combination of things there. So, but good question though. Thanks for asking. Um Keep them coming. Keep the questions coming. We're uh, 57 past the first hour here. And so, again, Audacity is just a great program. And, again, it's it's free to download. Um, so, you know, what are, what are the things you got laying around the house that you can use? Do you have uh, digital cameras? Remember those were huge like 10 years ago? <laughs> still are in some respects, but uh, if you're a professional photographer, sure. There's some uh, great cameras out there, but they're also hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. Uh, But what do you have laying around the house? Take a look around. You got an old digital camera. Well, boom, you can get some photographic data to review. You know, if uh, your log is telling you the kitchen or the bedroom, wherever it is, that things seem to happen the most. Take pictures every few minutes. Um, or if you feel a change in temperature in the room, snap a few photos. If you think you see something, snap a few photos. If you think you hear something, snap a few photos. But again, it's another tool that you've got um, for investigating that's just sitting in your house. And so definitely use that. Um And then, you know, SD card or, again, USB connectivity so you can get them on your computer uh, for video or photo editing software. Or if you just want to view, you know, use the Photos app on your computer uh, to where you can blow things up and zoom in. Um, 
So when we come back from our top of the hour break, we're going to continue on with uh, taking photos and we're going to continue going through this kind of DIY. What do you got around the house that you can use to investigate your own home? If you think you've got something going on. Um, And after the break, we're going to get to another question. Um, And it was what app works best or do any of them work at all? Well, we'll get to that after the break. So um, coming up on the end of the first hour, Paranormal Pete Show on Let's Talk Radio, WLTKDB.com. And real quick, before we pay the station bills, did you know the station has an online store where you can get merch for the station? Show your support by going to the shop tab on the WLTKDB.com and get uh, Let's Talk Radio merch. All right, guys. Paranormal Pete Show with your host, Peter Orbea. We'll see you on the flip side. Getting the vaccine to more people. I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News. The Biden administration outlining a plan that will deliver COVID-19 shots to pharmacies. The White House is launching a federal retail pharmacy program. Coronavirus Response Coordinator Jeff Zients says the government will send a million vaccine doses to 6,500 retail pharmacies next week. In the early phase, many pharmacies across the country will not have vaccine or may have very limited supply. Zine says the federal government will start sending more than 10 million doses to states, tribes, and territories also next week. The White House says the Biden administration has boosted supply by more than 20% since January 20th. Rachel Sutherland. Fox News. Another round of executive orders signed by President Biden. These targeting immigration. What I'm doing is taking on the issues that 99% of them that the president, the last president of the United States, issued executive orders I thought were very counterproductive to our security, counterproductive to who we are as a country. One would begin the process of reuniting families separated at the border during the Trump administration. President Biden called that policy a moral and national shame. The others were looking at creating what the administration's calling a humane asylum system and a fair legal immigration system. During that ceremony, President Biden also congratulated Alejandro Mayorkas, who was sworn in as the Homeland Security Secretary. Looking forward to his leadership and working with Congress uh, on a lot of issues, including the immigration bill that has, uh, I think, great support in both chambers. The president has put Mayorkas in charge of reuniting the family separated under the Trump administration. He is the first Latino and first immigrant to serve as the head of the Department of Homeland Security. This afternoon, the Senate confirmed former South Bend, Indiana Mayor and Presidential hopeful Pete Buttigieg as Transportation Secretary. America is listening to Fox News. Why are you still going to the post office? Do it all online with Stamps.com. Avoid trips to the post office, print postage, send invoices, letters, or packages, and schedule pickups right from your home or office 24-7. Get close to 10% off first-class stamps, up to 40% off priority mail, and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone, and enter code FOX for a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. Stamps.com, code FOX. 
A western state is making a play to host the nation's first primary. There's an effort underway to give Nevada first-in-the-nation status in the next presidential election cycle. Former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid hopes to rally Democrats unhappy with how last year's Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire's primary were handled as technological and logistical issues left results in question for days. Supporters say the move would also give a larger voice to an urban and racially diverse group of voters. The Democrat-led state legislature is currently considering changing Nevada caucuses to a primary and moving the date to make it the first chance for voters to consider the next round of candidates. Rich Dennison, Fox News. A harsh critic of Russian President Vladimir Putin is being jailed. A Moscow court is sending Alexei Navalny to a penal colony for two and a half years. It's connected to an old fraud case the European Court of Human Rights ruled was trumped up. Navalny said today that the only reason he's in court is, quote, the hatred and fear of one man in a bunker because I mortally offended him by surviving after they tried to kill me on his orders. Navalny was poisoned with a Soviet-era nerve agent in August. The Kremlin denies any responsibility for this and keeps questioning that it even happened. The U.S. and European leaders were quick to respond to this, calling for Navalny's immediate release. Amy Kellogg. Fox News. Puerto Rico is slated to receive more than $6 billion in federal funds to help prepare the U.S. territory for hurricanes and other disasters. The money assigned by the Department of Housing and Urban Development would be used for infrastructure projects and economic development. Congress had assigned $67 billion to help with reconstruction efforts after hurricanes devastated the island in September 2017. But of the $43 billion obligated, it has only received $18 billion. On Wall Street, the Dow added four hundred seventy. 75 points, the NASDAQ plus 209, the S&P gained 52. I'm Lisa Lacerra, this is Fox News. Of all the radio stations in the world, we're one of them. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTK DB. Pete Show. I'm your host, Peter Orbea. We're on Let's Talk Radio, WLTKDB.com. Hit us up on the station chat if you get a chance. Ask a question. We've had some questions coming in, and thank you so much for that to the listeners out there. We're also streaming live on the Let's Talk Radio Facebook page. So that's facebook.com forward slash WLTKDB. And you'll find us. We're also streaming on to the Paranormal Peach Show page. And I just want to take a second to thank everybody for all the great support in the show so far. I'm uh, honestly humbled um, by it. And my goal is to not bore you, <laughs> especially if you're driving. Um, but thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. And there's a lot of great shows on the station. Uh each day of the week. So be sure to like that the Facebook page for Let's Talk Radio so you can get notifications when shows go live. Plus, there's an archive. So if you miss one um, because you're on the East Coast and it's really super late right now, it's midnight, <laughs> uh, and you're ready to go to bed, well, there's an archive. Each of the shows has an archive, and you can find uh, the archive on Let's Talk Radio's website, WLTKDB.com, or you can find them on uh, various podcast streaming services like Podbean 
I got my shows on there. Um, Amazon, Google Podcast. There's a whole array of places that you can find the show. So we're easy to find. So find us. Um, so before the break, we're, we're kind of going through how you can do a DIY investigation of your own home uh, without spending a lot of money. So far, the only money we've talked about spending is on a digital audio recorder. And you can get those starting at 25 bucks. Um, and it goes on up from there. But the goal is, you know, quick and easy for your convenience and take it at your own pace to figure out what's going on in your house. And so I'm just sharing a lot of what I've, in my own experience, uh, has worked well for me. So you're going to find differing opinions out there about different things, but uh, it's just my take on it and uh, my suggestions. So again, if anybody's having some crazy stuff that might be paranormal happen in your house, um, you know, comment on the Facebook live streams or through the chat function on the station website. And I'm trying to monitor various different things here. Um, but ask your question or, you know, let us know what's going on and I will do my best to maybe, um, tell you how to start dealing with that. So, uh, don't be shy. Let us know on the, on the comments there. And again, thanks for the questions. So before we were talking about, um, uh, photos, taking photos, you know, if you think you see something, snap a few photos. If you think you hear something, snap a few photos, um, you know, or if you just feel like you want to take a picture of an area, do it. And so before the break, um, listener Melissa was asking which app works best or do they all kind of work the same or not? And I would say, we'll touch a little bit more on this when I get into phones and stuff, but, um, go start with what's built in to your computer, whatever photo editing software that comes with your computer, um, start there. And that's a good way to go. I would be wary of any photo editing apps that are called like ghost photo, um, ghost photo editor, ghost pictures, anything like that. I would, I would steer clear of that. Um, chances are you'll probably come up with some, what you think is evidence of the paranormal in those pictures only to figure out it's, that's not what's going on. (laughs) So, so start with what's built into your computer, whatever software that comes with it. Um, Photoshop is a great one. If you've already got it, um, that's a great way to look at at layers. Um, I think there's some computer programs or apps that, that uh, deal with the raw file, your raw JPEG file. And so you may, I can't think of what it's called right now. There's one I've used in the past, but um, to, and it, 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 what I used it for was to see if a photo was faked or to see if it was um, taken by a particular app or, you know, a, a photo app or something like that. But it gives you the raw data and then you can take that and then dump it into whatever photo editing software you have. So if you already have Photoshop, I mean, it's a great one. Um, but I would say just kind of to start out, go with the one that's built into your computer. Um, you know, maybe in your home, do you have a security camera system? Um, if you've got that, well, shoot, you've got video capabilities now. Uh, do you have a game cam, a trail cam? 
uh, something that's mo- you know set off by motion and, and records some video and takes a photo. Um, I've got one of those and just been amazed with the clarity in the in the picture and the video and the the photo quality. Um, and I did try try it out in the Walker Ames house here in Port Gamble for about a month. I left it in there. I didn't get a dang thing. <laughs> I was kind of hoping I'd get something, but uh, the only images and video that was captured was me setting it down and walking away and then me walking up and picking it up. <laughs> so, so that may happen, right? But you get just got to be open to that possibility. But if you, you know, if you've got, or if you got an old video camera, boom, you got video capabilities. You don't need to go out and get all these cameras. Um, Put those in the areas that your log that you've been keeping is telling you the activity is happening the most frequent. Put the video, set up the video camera there and take a recording. Set up your uh, security system to monitor a certain area. Um, what I've seen, at least uh, online, you know, people sharing, um, hey, I, what is this in my video a lot of times when it's security camera footage it's especially low light unless it's got really good infrared lights on it uh it's going to be kind of pixelated or blurry um some you know it'll get pretty fuzzy when you once you zoom in on it at all um so just be mindful of that but you still might be able to catch something that maybe it's a door that opens and close. Maybe that's what's going on in your house. Well, you may be able to catch that with your security camera system, or if you've got an old uh, video camera laying around, set it up, see if you can catch that sort of evidence. Um, Now, hopefully if you are, you know, you've got doors opening and closing and you set up video. Well, hopefully when you set up the video and start recording, you set up audio as well. And to see if you can capture any other sounds that take place with that door opening and closing. Like, let's say the wind outside. Maybe it's really windy outside and there's a draft somewhere in your house. And when a big gust of wind blows, it pulls a a certain door shut in your house. If you've got that audio running, it's another tool. It's another set of data that may confirm or not confirm the video evidence, the video data. So try, you know, if you've got your video set up, have your audio going too. And if you're actually actively investigating and you see the door open and closing, you've got your camera, remember your digital camera, take some photos too, because that's just another layer of data that you can add to this activity and this experience. Um, I hope that makes sense. Um, so this brings me to, so we've talked about what do you got laying around your house? Digital audio recorders from college or, you know, long time ago, whatever. Uh, digital cameras, old video cameras, or your own video surveillance system in your house. Um, but we've all nowadays got something in our pocket that can do a lot of this stuff. And that's your cell phone. You don't even have to mess with the other stuff if you don't want to. If it's just convenient to use your phone, well, there's some ways you can use your phone as an investigative tool. Um, now, one thing that 
you want to do if you're seriously trying to document activity in your house uh, or the experiences that you're having, um, it's always good to put your phone in airplane mode. Um, that way, if it's near your audio recorder, you're not going to get any cross phasing or interference um, from a signal trying to come into your phone. So it's always good to put it in airplane mode through the duration of your investigation. And so some things with the cell phone, and I, I just touched on a, a little bit ago, is use apps that are pre-built into your phone. So we talked about digital audio recorders. Well, your cell phone should, should most cell phones have a voice recorder built in that's actually from the, the maker of the phone, right? It's built in there. Um, use that. That's your most trustworthy audio capturing uh, capability on your phone. If you, uh, this is where you want to avoid ghost apps and things like that, because oftentimes there are noises um, or voices kind of embedded into these apps. And so um, they're more for entertainment. So think about it that way. It's more for entertainment if you want to have some fun or spook your friends out or whatever. Um, but if you're trying to, capture data that's going to be explain what you're experiencing, help you feel like you're not crazy. Go with what's pre-built into your phone. Um, and, you know, try not to put any sort of noise filters or anything like that on um, or compression because that can affect um, the ambient sound, especially if you're in a really quiet space. So, Use your built-in audio recorder, your voice recorder, and that seems to work pretty well. Um, same thing with the camera. M my gosh, how far have cell phones come in the last 10 years as far as photo capabilities? Holy smokes. You remember early, you know, 10, 2000s to 2010? I mean, it was like a four megapixel camera, <laughs> you know, on your phone. Now it's just insane, uh, the quality that, and, and the quality of video. So, boom, there's your video capability as well. And a lot of times you can, you know, take a photo while you're recording video too. But just the technology has gotten so much better um, with your, your, uh, the camera on your phone. But, again, use the native camera app that came with your phone. There are other apps that you can download that are for taking pictures. Again, I would not trust that. Um, go with what is built into your phone. And I hope that makes sense. You know, you just don't want to be downloading, you know, like I said, like a ghost photo app to take pictures with because you'll, you'll find something. <laughs> you'll find something that's probably nothing to do with what you're doing. It's just, it's, it's embedded in there. So definitely again, they're, they're more for entertainment. So keep with what's built in. Um, and there are various apps that you can download as far as a diagnostic tool for your phone. And you just go to um, Google play or 
um, the Apple store and look up a phone diagnostic tool. And what those will do typically is let you know what kind of capabilities your phone has as far as, uh, as a measurement device, um, phones, you know, they read your orientation, right? If you're in portrait, portrait, uh, mode, and then you turn the phone over, it goes to landscape, right? So there's a, a gyro in there, uh, that can detect the motion. And so a lot of phones have a, like a geophone capability um, that can sense motion or movement. And so see what you come up with, with your phone. Again, just go and and wherever you get apps at and just look up uh, a phone diagnostic tool and download one that's been verified by that service. So by Google play verified or by Apple that it's a, a trusted app and see what capabilities your phone has. There's probably stuff on there that you didn't even realize, but that may cue you to use one of those functions um, with your phone that maybe you didn't think of, but it would really help with the activity going on. Like with a geophone, something that senses vibration. Um, if you, let's say you're having a lot of um, experiences where you're hearing footsteps on the second floor of your house above you or down the stairs, you know, if you're focusing on that area, well, put your phone out and uh, you've kind of taken away some of your investigation tool by setting it down, but you can still be recording audio. Use this geophone, maybe to see if you can sense any motion where you do not see anybody moving and everybody's still, but it's, it's picking up a vibration. Now that, could be paranormal again, but it could not be, but at least it points you to, okay, there is an actual vibration that my phone is picking up. And so that's going to keep me focused on this area. So um, just check out a, a diagnostic tool for your phone and see, see what capabilities are in there. Uh, might open some doors for you. Um, the next thing you need to have when you do your DIY investigation of your own home is a notepad. I know that sounds super simple, right? But so many investigators will tell you that that's one of the most important things you can have when you're trying to collect data on an investigation is to have a notepad, something you can log things on. Now, hopefully you've already been keeping a log of activity. And so you're in the habit of taking notes, um, but it is, it can be your, your best tool on an investigation. Uh, you may want to kind of uh, each page draw a different portion of your house. Like if you have a two-story house, maybe on one page, you kind of just loosely draw what your downstairs layout is. And then on the next page, you're going to kind of draw uh, loosely where the rooms are and the layout of the upstairs of this house or a basement. But, you know, like per page, create a map. And then what you can do is basically when you feel like something happens or you hear a voice or whatever the activity is, you, you can mark an X where you think it happened and then note the time and what it was that happened. And you would be, I think it's interesting to, to use a map because then you can see where, where are all my X's going? Are they all in the same spot? Is it moving? Is it moving in a pattern? 
like it's moving from one room to the next. Uh, but it's an easy way to map out your investigation and keep track of stuff. But it's, I understand a lot of times you might be in the dark when you're doing this. So it's hard to write, um, you know, especially if you got bad handwriting, <laughs> it gets real crazy to try and understand. So another way you can do instead in lieu of a notepad is to take vocal notes. So if you've got audio going uh, on your phone or if it's uh, a digital audio recorder, or maybe you've got multiple devices that you've got um, set out in the areas of your home where you're experiencing activity, simply take vocal notes. You note the time every once in a while so that you have a timestamp where you're at. This is where I'm sitting. I'm sitting on my couch facing the TV you know, just every once in a while, just check in on, on there and just say where you're at, what you're doing. And uh, it's a good way to keep track as you, because when you go back and listen to your audio file, you'll be able to follow along with what you were experiencing. And then you can write notes at that point, if you want to actually take some documentation of what, what you experienced, but it's good to at least take vocal notes uh, when you're doing this. And it's, it'll just help you out in the long run. Trust me, especially with audio. Um, and what you want to do is let's say you hear something um, and you, you say it right away, you know, tag, you, you know, a lot of teams will say tag, or I just heard this and, and say what you think you heard. Um, or, you know, a lot of times I catch myself, if I think I hear something, I, I don't say it right away because I'm still listening. And so then I'll say something like, go back about 15 seconds. I think I heard this. Here's where I am. This is what it was. Notate the time if you can. Um, and But just as many details as you can about what happened. Now, it could be something like, oh, that was my cat. <laughs> I just heard my cat meow. Um, one of the most common things on a paranormal investigation is, yeah, that was my stomach. <laughs> they start grumbling when you're sitting there, uh, just sitting there listening and, and it's all quiet. Well, yeah, you're going to hear your stomach or whoever else is with you. Um, but make sure to mention that. That was my stomach. That was my foot. Like if you accidentally you know, kick your end table or uh, something that makes noise. Um, you know, note that even if you know what the sound was and it totally was not anything that you think might be paranormal, still note it, um, you know, birds pecking on the roof. Uh, if you know what that is, because you've heard it before, note that on your, on your audio files, you know, Hey, right now I'm hearing some birds on the roof. I'm still down in my living room. Uh, but we're hearing him, you know, peck around on the roof or, or walking around. And that way, when you listen to your audio, you, you can identify easily what that sound was. And you know, it's nothing that's paranormal. It's, it's just outside. If you hear a car startup or a car door from outside, say it. Whatever it is you think you hear or see, say it. Um, and like if you're, you see something. Be sure to say it so that way when you're listening to your audio, you know right where to go to in your video to check it out. And so you're, in a sense, keeping a vocal log. 
So I can't stress enough how important that is if you're trying to, you know, quote unquote, investigate your home to see what's going on. Um, and plus it might help you feel a little bit better if you're talking a lot. So just keep a, you know, a consistent vocal log throughout the time that you're doing this. It, it pays off in the long run um, a lot. Um one of the things you always want to make note of too is um, what's the weather doing outside? Um, is it, is there an electrical storm happening and you know, lots of lightning and stuff? Well, that'll explain a lot of the sounds you'll hear, right? Is it really windy? Is it just pouring down rain? Is it uh, sunny out? Is it um, clear? It's night, but it's clear out. You know, you want to kind of note those things because that may have, atmospheric conditions environmental conditions have an impact on the space that you're looking at so don't forget about the weather and what's going on outside or you might say something like oh, my neighbors down the street are partying it up again <laughs> so you'll probably hear some of that go ahead and mention it paranormal or not whatever it is you know state it now if you think you hear a voice maybe that's one of the things that happens in your house Say it. Say what you think you just heard. Hey, I just heard this. Now, and then when you're doing your audio review, what if your audio didn't catch it, but you heard it? Well, that might be a different situation. Um, maybe, you know, you didn't hear it with your ears. You heard it psychically. Well, then that's going to leave you with some more questions, and we'll save that for another show. Um but, you know, you just want to just make note of anything you can. Basically, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> um, now, you're going to try and investigate at the times where you're experiencing the activity. Um, usually, when you see stuff on TV, it's, you know, most of the time, I'd say the overwhelming majority of the time, it's at night. Um, and ghosts don't only they don't just come out at night right they they can come out they're around all the time um but it may seem more active at nighttime and that might be the time to investigate if that's where all the activity is happening because there's less outside noise outside noise pollution um there's just less going on out in the world so things tend to be a little bit quieter and you can you can tend to notice or recognize things a little easier so um, if the activity happens at, you know, eight in the morning, typically, you know, you're getting ready for work or getting out of bed, whatever it is, it's eight o'clock in the morning and you see somebody walk by your bathroom, bathroom or bedroom door. That's when you want to focus your efforts. You don't want to do it at eight o'clock at night if it's happening at eight o'clock in the morning. So, uh, and you don't always have to have the lights out as well. So, and if you're just trying to do this DIY and you're already kind of freaked out, turn the lights on. <laughs> if you're investigating at night, just turn the lights on. Um, spirits are still around <laughs> lights on or off. Um, when I like to have the lights off, um, it's usually because the reports of activity, um, the claims of activity are audio based hearing voices, footsteps, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, if it's predominantly 
audible type stuff that you're experiencing, you could turn the lights out and hopefully that will help heighten your hearing sense with your vision sense uh, reduced. Um, So think about it, you know, try and think about it that way. Uh, You don't always have to have the lights out, right? So especially if you're already kind of freaked out a little bit and not totally comfortable with what's going on in your own home, um, you know, keep the lights on. It's perfectly fine. (laughs) Doesn't have to have the lights off. Um, Now, when you first, let's say you've kept your log, right? And you're the kitchen. That seems to be where the activity is. That's where you experience it. Uh, When it does happen, you've been able to identify you know, it seems to happen around this time of day. So now, you know, you're ready to investigate. Well, so now you're going to set up your equipment uh, that you have, your old video camera, or if you're just using your phone or whatever tools you have, um, you're going to set that up focused on the area in question. And what you want to do is when you initially get in there and to start this is, you know, I realize in your own house, you're familiar with pretty much everything, right? Um, but if the sound is always like a, a specific kind of sound, walk around the space and, you know, maybe move some objects. If any of these objects in this room or in the kitchen, they move and it makes a similar sound. Okay. Well, how did you move it to have it make that sound? And what natural causes could be causing that movement, if it is, you know, these certain glasses that seem to, you know, be clanged together uh, in in your kitchen. Well, what is it doing that? Is it um, on a counter where the counter is wet? You just washed it and you set glasses on there and they move. And because of the slant of the countertop or the unlevelness of your house, they slide together and clang, move some objects around, test a little bit, um, do some testing. And it's good to have that stuff logged too. Um, So, you know, you've started your audio recording and your video, go ahead and be on camera, moving that stuff around and testing the area out. What is making this noise? You know, it could be two books that, open and close. Well, how are they opening and closing? But that's the sound. You know that that sounds like the sound you're experiencing, but test out the space. Really look at everything. What could be causing what I'm experiencing? And it's okay to to be on camera or be on recording doing that because if you're able to get that sound uh, or something really similar to it, you've got something to go back and listen to it again and again and compare it with possible other recordings you have of this phenomenon. So then you can go back and say, oh, yeah, me clanging these two glasses together on a wet counter sounds exactly like what I've been hearing. Boom. You know, it's not something paranormal that's doing that. So I hope you see how that works. Um, but uh, you know, inspect the area. Uh, move curtains, especially if you're going to investigate at night. Um, and you know, you're in a road where cars are passing by frequently, um, note how shadows move as a car drives by, maybe move your curtains or blinds, kind of move those around, test them out, see if it, 
creates any sort of weird shadows um, on the wall and do it with lights on with lights off. But again, you're just, you're testing out this area that you're focusing on in your home. And a lot of times uh, drafts and windows that make curtains move, they'll make strange shadows on the walls that, you know, can look from anything from an animal to a human. Um, so test it out, really test it out. And again, if you're doing this and documenting it, uh, it's, it gives you a point of reference to go back and compare to possible other evidence or data that you've collected um, at a previous time. Um, so you just want to really inspect the area. Now, if you don't have an EMF meter, electromagnetic field meter, that's okay. They're handy to have. Um, that's something where you want to spend a little bit of money on to get something that's uh, more accurate and um, not known to be faulty. Um, the cheap ones that you can get out there, they can, you know, a lot of times they're, they're faulty, but on the other side, I kind of look at, like to look at both sides. Sometimes simple is good, but if, uh, if you have one, use that in your space as well and test everything, run that meter by all of your appliances. Appliances give off EMF and usually pretty good amounts of them. Um, so if you have an EMF meter, use it. If you don't, you don't necessarily have to go out and buy one. Um, don't download an EMF app on your phone. Um, it's just don't trust it. Entertainment. Remember it's, it's entertainment and, and you can have some fun with that stuff. But if you're trying to really figure out what's going on and collect data, um, get an actual meter from a reputable source. Um, something you know hasn't been tampered with or anything like that and so if you do have an emf you want to sweep the area so again we're just for example we're back in the kitchen right i'm going to take that meter and i'm going to go to the refrigerator to the back of it and and kind of move slowly you don't want to move these meters really fast um you know just kind of a nice steady slow motion what sort of EMF signals are you getting? Um, you know, do they, does it seem strong, you know, um, in an ambient room, maybe you don't get a signal a 0.0. Well, maybe your refrigerator is giving off like a 13.0, which is high. <laughs> That's pretty high EMF. That could explain some of the experiences you're having. Um, I think a lot of people listening out there know this, but in, in case you don't, high EMF can actually, you know, prolonged exposure. And I would say even in some cases, short-term exposure to high EMF um, is that can create hallucinations and headaches and paranoia. Feel, you know, I feel like things are watching you. Um, but in my experience and, and a lot of the, cases I've done, it, it's high EMF that's, that's causing issues. So if you do have an EMF, it can be really crucial to identify problem areas in your home. And if you've, and I'll just say, if you've got problem areas in your home, like your fridge is just giving off an insane amount of EMF or your alarm clock that's pre like 2005, that's right next to your head at night, if those are given off high EMF, you know, maybe you want to, uh, well, one, if it's an alarm clock, get rid of it, get some, get something else. 
but for like a fridge, you may want to consult an electrician to see if there's some way to shield that um, EMF a bit so it's not permeating into the open space so much. So if you're finding high EMF in your house, the um, you can always consult an electrician, a professional who's licensed um, to do that work on possibly how to shield that EMF a little bit better. So I know there's some things that they can do to help with that. Um, so if you have the EMF, you want to sweep through the area, identify man-made causes of electromagnetic field. And you'd be surprised appliances will, will give off higher than what you think they would. Um, especially medical devices. Let's say you're investigating your bedroom and you have, medical devices in there that are electronic, the guarantee of those are given off super high EMF, which is not good for you and can cause, like I said, hallucinations. A lot of times, you know, I'll hear about seeing things in their, in someone's bedroom. They say every night there's people coming in and out of my bedroom and I see this and that. And, and most of the time you can identify a high source of electromagnetic fields within that room, um, causing that. And the way I know that that is, was the case was when, um, with follow-up and they say none of the activity is happening anymore. Once we remove the device or we were able to, you know, shield it, uh, shield the EMF. Now, none of the activities happening. And that's a great, a great feeling. Imagine if you could get that. So if you're experiencing some, you know, a lot of visuals and stuff, you may want to look at an EMF uh, meter, um, but if you don't have one, that's okay. Don't feel like you have to go out and, and buy one. It's just another piece to the puzzle. And um, I would say, you know, are we ever going to get a complete puzzle? <laughs> I doubt it, <laughs> but we're sure going to try, right? We're going to keep trying. Um, now, one thing I'll say too is, you know, if you're interested in, doing a DIY investigation in your home yourself to learn what is causing weird things that happen in your home. Don't overdo it. Just start simple. Start with an hour at a time and do it at your convenience. You know, uh, adulting and life can get in the way. And uh, so don't feel like you have to do like an eight hour investigation. Start with like an hour. And if you've been keeping your log, you know, if there's a pattern at a time of day, and you can focus your efforts for an hour around either side of that time. If there's really no pattern in time that you can establish, just pick a time when you, you know, when you feel like, you know, stuff, eh, I feel like it's more in the evenings than the mornings. I'll just pick a time. But again, um, you know, don't, oh, don't feel like you have to do like, you know, an eight hour straight, investigation. Just start with an hour. Um, because if you're taking audio and video, well, those that's going to add time to your data review and post investigation. And so just start with an hour and kind of work your way up after a while. Just go with your comfort level um, and convenience. So, and if possible, try and have somebody there with you. Uh, especially if you're, you know, investigating at night, um, you want to one have you want to have another person there for reason one would be to have another witness in case you do experience activity, right? You want to have somebody else there 
who can experience it, uh, you know, at the same time, or maybe they perceive it a little bit differently. But again, that's more data for you. That's going to help you figure out what's going on. So uh, not always good to investigate by yourself. Um, Our human minds start playing tricks, especially if you're already kind of freaked out and scared a little bit about what's going on in your house, right? You're how long are you going to sit there in the dark and thinking about this stuff before your brain starts playing tricks on you and you think, and you think you're seeing stuff. So it's always good to try and have somebody else that you really trust um, to, to be there so that they can, you know, be um, witnessing possible activity along with you. Maybe they have brought, you know, using their phone. So it's another piece of data that you can collect to confirm if you're getting the same voice on two different audio recorders or audio files that lends more credibility to that is probably what you heard. Um, or maybe you didn't hear it, but it's, it's, you know, if you're getting an EVP on two different devices at the same time, um, that lends it more to being paranormal and more credible. Right. So it's good to have somebody that you really trust, um, to do this with you. And again, start with an hour, work your way up, you know, uh, because now I'll tell you evidence review can be cumbersome, but if you've got your notes, your vocal notes or your written down notes, this is where it pays off in the long run is when you start to. So let's say you've, um, you've collected this. Well, actually I should back up when you start your investigation, Announce what you're doing in your house. Uh, Let me back up here real quick. So we're backing up to where you've identified the location. You've identified a pattern, possibly. You know where you're going to focus your tools, your audio and your video, right? Um, You just, I lost my spot here. (laughs) Um. So you're going to announce what you're doing and you're going to say, Hey, I am recording. I am taking photos. I am hoping that you'll communicate. If you want that Uh, state, what you're doing, state your intentions again with what you're trying to do. This is my house. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. If you will answer my questions, I would be grateful or I want to approach you with respect. I'm going to be recording you. I'm going to be recording this space. I'm going to be taking some photos. If you can and are willing, can you show yourself for some of that? You know, put it out there what you're hoping for. Uh, Again, try not to be antagonistic. Try and just be respectful. Um, You know, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm not trying to mean any harm here. Um, I would be grateful if you could communicate back with me. So I just wanted to back up and say, you want to state your intentions of what you're doing during the investigation. You want to let them know, for example, at the Walker Ames house here in Port Gamble, I'm in there a lot doing tours and investigations. And um, a lot of, you know, every time I go in there, I say, hello, my name is Pete. You know, you know me pretty well by now. I just kind of say, hey, this is who I am. I've got um, some friends with me. Anybody I take in there, I call them friends. You know, I've got some friends with me. We're not here to harm you. We're not here to make you do anything you don't want to. We're not here to make you go anywhere you don't want to. 
Um, we're here to share the space with you and we would be very grateful if you can let us know you're here. Um, so I do that every time I go in there and I felt like, I feel like approaching it that way over all these years um, has had a positive benefit um, as far as feeling welcome in the house and activity continuing. Um, so state your intentions when you start your investigation, but back to evidence review. So now we're at the end of the investigation. Um, so let's say you investigated for an hour. Well, you now have an hour's worth of audio to go through, which is probably going to be more like an hour and a half to two hours because you're going to be listening in real time. You don't want to listen to it sped up or slowed down. Um, backwards is another option, but you know, if you dare, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but you have an hour to listen and you're going to stop and you're going to go back and listen to something you think you heard. You're going to go back and you're going to go back and you're going to listen to it many times. And so it, 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 time adds up there. So by only starting with an hour, then you're giving yourself an hour to two hours of audio review. Video review can go a little bit faster because you're, you can watch that um, slightly sped up. You don't want to go too fast. Uh, you don't want to miss anything, but you can review audio a little faster than real time. Uh, but again, if you catch it, some sort of anomaly or an explained phenomenon, you're going to be going back and, and watching again and again and again. Um, so it could take a little bit longer there, but it can be cumbersome. But, it, you know, your vocal log or your actual notes that you took is going to, again, this is where it pays off because you can, if you took actual notes, you know, you, you had the lights on and you were taking actual notes of anything that you heard or experiencing. You can go right to, I started my investigation at 7 p.m. Oh, look at that. 7.16 p.m. I heard a voice. Okay. You know now where to look in your audio file and you can start there and go to the points that you've noted and go right to verifying if there was a sound or whatever it was you heard. Was there not? Did the audio device pick it up or not? Um, so this is where keeping a, a notes from your investigation really pays off um, because a lot of people, I think it's, it's overwhelming, you know, when you're going through your data, uh, if you've got, you know, 12 hours from an investigation, you, do you have 12 hours you can set aside or uh, up to 15 hours to go over that audio? That's why we start with an hour or so. Um, now, this one's a hard one. Being in your own home, we've already got all our own bias in the home from, from having these experiences, believing that you've had experiences. Um, try and be as objective as possible. That's a super hard one, <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it's hard for me to be objective sometimes, uh, spe you know, especially if it's in my own house. And so uh, don't feel bad if you have a hard time with that one, but do, you know, give it your best shot. Um, can you, can you be objective? If you hear a sound, can your first thought be, I better go see what caused that noise not who made that noise, but what caused that noise. Try and be as objective as possible. Um, don't be afraid to get opinions from others. Um, I know one of the most common things, um, you know, you hear with people in paranormal experiences is, 
well, I sound crazy. I might sound crazy, but people think I'm crazy because I'm not sure I might be crazy because, you know, we all don't want to be seen as crazy. Right. So don't, but don't be afraid to get opinions from others. Cause how are you going to, you got to have something to compare to. And, you know, if you had somebody investigate with you, well, now you've got another piece to that puzzle of somebody who can either validate your claim or they perceived an experience in a different way, but it's another set of data, but don't be afraid to um, get an opinion from somebody else and, and somebody else, you know, who's investigates or is a part of a team or just somebody, you know, somebody who's not even involved with the paranormal at all, but they're great. They're like an audio technician, get an opinion from them. Um, you know, a lot of my friends are musicians and really good with audio. Um, so don't be afraid to get an opinion. If you're really questioning what something was, don't be afraid. Um, now, on the flip side of that, you also need to be open to the very real possibility that what's going on in your house is nothing paranormal at all. Be open to that. If you discover that it's not paranormal, be open to that. Even though you believe you've had experiences, you still have to be open to accepting the possibility it's nothing paranormal at all. We want to believe in stuff. We want to uh, have validation, right? That's just human. We we want that validation on, on our own experiences. Uh, but you have to be open to it being nothing. You may do an investigation for an hour and come up with nothing. In fact, you will most likely come up with nothing. There's a chance you'll get something great. Um, but, you know, don't be discouraged as well if you, you know, if what you think you found is nothing paranormal at all and it can be proven, you know, you got to be open to that possibility, but don't be discouraged too. Um, or feel like whatever's in your house has won or beat you. Uh, you just didn't capture anything. And so that happens all the time. So that's, you know, be prepared and be open for both of those things. The possibility of it not being anything paranormal at all, which goes against your beliefs and your own personal experience. And don't be discouraged if you don't get anything or find out things are not really, you know, paranormal related. Um, you know, just keep trying if you're not sure. Um, you know, if you, if you do your own little investigation and, and my guest last week, Michael White said this, if, if you're coming out with more questions than you went in with, you're on, you're doing it right. And so don't feel bad if you don't really get all the answers, you might get pieces of the puzzle that will help to, to answer your own beliefs and your own experience. But, um, you hopefully will be leaving with, with some more questions and that helps keep you open as well. Um, do your historical research on your, on your house or workspace or whatever this location is that's yours, that you're having experiences or that you think you're having experiences. If you can do some historical research, cause that's probably going to provide a piece of the puzzle you didn't even think about, or it's going to really ring true right through your core. Oh my gosh, 
this is this might be it um as i mentioned at the beginning of the show you know in the paranormal field i think you gotta have a little bit of touch of the history bug um but you know if you're in a house especially an old house go to the uh, local historical society or gene genealogy society well i say that 10 times fast um they'll have you know oftentimes records of who lived there before uh, public libraries is another place to get history on your neighborhood or possibly even your home. Um, so there's, there's lots of different avenues you can do. Google, of course, Google. <laughs> um, but you want to do some historical research because maybe the activity you've been experiencing seems to be a human entity, survival of the body, survival of death right? It's an apparition. Um, and you've seen it. Maybe you've seen it enough with enough detail to describe what it was he or she was wearing. Maybe it said something to you uh, or you get a name. Well, if you can go with your historical research and let's say you see this, uh, you live in a place and you're, you see this, uh, old cowboy in your room and he's real rough looking. You can tell, um, you know, tell what he looks like. If he had a big scar or something distinguishing thing about this person, like a huge belt buckle or something. since we're going with the cowboy theme here, we'll go all in big belt buckle. Um, maybe there's record of somebody living in that house who you can ultimately find a photo of and there they are and you're able to recognize them. I mean, that is some crazy validation there, but I think that would, don't you think that that would, uh, you know, at least, you know what you're dealing with if you can get some sort of validation like that. So historical research is important. Maybe you're in a new neighbor, brand new neighborhood, brand new house, you're the first person to live there, but you've got all kinds of weird stuff happening. Um, what was there historically? Was there an old saloon there in, uh, in the location where your house is now? Was there an old saloon and the activity you're getting is glasses clinging and bar stools sliding on the floor and that sort of sounds well. If you find that there was a saloon in your location, you know, it used to be there a hundred some years ago that may help validate some of the activity you're experiencing. So it's real important um, to do any historical research that you can to, if you're serious about finding out what's going on. Um, it's, I always find the history stuff just amazing. Um, and again, if you leave with more, if you are done with your investigation and you have more questions than you started with, you're on the right path. And just keep trying it. Now, this is all said in the spirit of, so to speak, of doing your own investigation in your own home without having to call a team. If that's not for you, if you are scared, if you, you know, you just don't know what's happening, but you are experiencing things and you feel like you need help, that reach out to you know, a group of investigators or a team and, you know, research them, 
whatever you can find out about them. Are they credible? How do they investigate? Are they thrill seekers? Um, you can usually find that stuff on social media, right? Um, you know, but if you feel like you need to reach out to a group of individuals who do this, um, you know, to either as a hobby or they're doing it to help people or they're doing it for the field of research, um, go ahead and reach out. You know, I'm not saying you just have to do your own DIY, but I thought it's, it's, there's so many people out there experiencing stuff right now with COVID might not be safe to have people over to your house uh, to investigate. So I hope that tonight you've enjoyed these tips and for doing a DIY paranormal investigation without really spending any money at all. Um, you know, I hope you enjoyed that. And you can, if you need to go back and check anything, just go to the station archive at WLTKDB.com. And again, we're on let's talk radio Lots of great shows throughout the whole week. So there's something something for you every day to check out. So I encourage you to please check out all the other shows. Um, and I really appreciate you for supporting my show and listening. Uh, very grateful to all the listeners out there. We'll see you next week with guest Linda Myers from the Olympic Peninsula Paranormal Society. She's a great investigator. Uh, always a fun talk with Linda. So I'm really excited to bring her on next week. That'll be next Tuesday on WLTKDB.com. And again, this is the Paranormal Pete Show with your host, Peter Arbea. I'll leave everybody with this, my usual toast. The past is history. The future's a mystery. But today is a gift because it's the present. Be sure to live in the now and take a moment for yourself to be where you are right now. We'll see you next week. Be well, everybody. 